You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by Penn State defensive coordinator Brent Pry as we discuss Washington draft pick Shaka Tony, whom he coached in college. I know Washington is excited about that pick, so I want to bring in someone who knows Tony and his talents well. Before I get started, one note about the daily fantasy game, Monkey Knife Fight. With the NBA playoffs starting, if you play at least $10 at monkeyknifefight.com, between now and Friday, you get a free... $20 NBA ticket. Just sign up at monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and you're good to go. Also, if you haven't checked out the previous podcast, I spoke with former Washington defensive end Ryan Kerrigan about his new team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and of course, his time with his old one. As for Morgan Moses, who was given permission to seek a trade earlier this week, the writing was on the wall the minute they signed Charles Leno. And for those of you who listen to my podcast, excuse me, and drafted Sam Cosme. And for those of you who listened to my podcast last week with Logan Paulson, you know this was a topic we briefly discussed because it was a natural move. I had been told that Leno signed here knowing he'd start at left tackle. Well, they had Cosme rated as a first-round pick, and they took him in the second round. They didn't draft him to sit. And after being around Cosme on the field, in the meeting rooms, and seeing his athleticism in the rookie minicamp, they were convinced that he'd be fine. The team told Moses he could then seek a trade. It wasn't Moses going to them to ask for one. This is how the NFL works. Vets get replaced by younger, cheaper guys all the time. And in this case, a guy who's a high draft pick. Again, you don't draft guys in the first and second round to sit. Yes, it would have been given them great depth, but I really doubt that Moses would have wanted to stick around if he wasn't starting at, at if he wasn't starting. And I definitely know they wouldn't want to pay a backup nearly $8 million. They can take that money and now use that cap space to extend another player, whether it's tight end Logan Thomas or defensive tackle Jonathan Allen. I do know that Allen will be much more costly. We all know that. And I was told as of Tuesday night, there have been no formal talks between the two sides. And really that means no numbers have been exchanged. That doesn't mean Washington doesn't know the parameters of what Allen is expecting and what they will or can offer. But it does mean they haven't exchanged numbers. I think I've told you before that I expected these talks to occur in the spring, so I would say that they should start happening soon. I also know there's optimism about reaching a deal. Allen has long maintained that he wants to be here. Yes, others have said that too, but Allen is from here, and this is definitely where he wants to stay. That is a consistent thing I've heard from, from not just him publicly, but other people close to him privately. However, I will say until a contract is signed, I'm not going to say it's a lock that'll be here. Been around long enough to say that, but the signs are right now are good. And so because of all that, sure, this could get done before training camp. I can't guarantee that it will, 
But again, there's optimism. Both sides want to be in business with one another. That's a good play. The owner really likes John Allen, and he's been the guy that they can look up, look up to. So those are all good signs. That's what we'll leave it at. One other note on all this, getting rid of guys like Kerrigan and Moses certainly represents a new day. There have been many changes at the facility, both the business side and on football. The franchise has lost a decent amount of good people, but the reason it has done so is because this franchise hasn't been winning. And when you don't win for a long time, you bring in people and you bring in new people and you give them power. And here we are. Owner Dan Snyder once told Kerrigan that he'd be, quote, a redskin for life. Now he's not. Moses certainly can play for a few more years and is coming off a solid year. But this group is trying to win, not to hang on to popular players. One before I'm going to take a little detour here, but one thing somebody brought up on Twitter that this is a sign like usually when you see a coach in charge with all the power, um, they're going to make decisions just with they'll oftentimes just go with the vet because they know what they have. That's not what's going on here. So I think I give them credit because they're really looking long term with this kind of a move with Cosme. Again, you don't draft a guy there to sit him. Um, and we don't know if he'll be better or not, but we do know that he's younger, cheaper, and this is the group that wanted him, and that matters. Now, you can obviously accomplish both as far as winning and keeping guys, but both Kerrigan and Moses are each over 30 years old. I don't think they would have played played Kerrigan more than 10 or so snaps or felt like that's about where his effectiveness was, which means they clearly see him on the downside. And other teams do too, because that's why he was, you know, he didn't sign a big deal. He's he's going to Philly to be a backup. That's okay. He's a situational guy now. And sometimes in the case with Moses, they're moving on from him perhaps a year earlier than anticipated, but they also have a younger, again, younger, cheaper, more athletic option to take over. That's what you want. Will it work? We'll see. But the method behind it is how you construct winning rosters. I remember in New England when Bill Belichick would get rid of guys like Richard Seymour, Ty Law. And I wonder, what was he doing? Well, they kept winning. So what you saw is he would get rid of guys where he felt like their effectiveness is going to go down. Let's max out and get what we can for them and then keep moving on and keep winning. And they kept winning. Now, of course, it's easier to do that when you have Tom Brady. But their defense was always good, too, despite losing players like this. This is clearly not New England. But I'm just talking about the approach. As one person told me the other day, it's a very militaristic setup. And by that, he meant there's a clear chain of command and you just stick to the role you're in. That hasn't always been the case here. It's a new way of operating in some regards. As my good friend, Madison High School, Madison High School baseball coach, Pudge Jorman, that's Vienna, Virginia, as he once told me, if you always do what you always done, you always get what you've always got. Well, they're changing it up a little bit and Rivera clearly is, is using his power to, to construct the roster the way he sees fit. We'll see. We'll see if it works. I know some of you wonder also about guard Brandon Sheriff. This is my educated opinion and not a report, but I just think it'll be too hard to keep him here beyond this season. He's already turned down offers each offseason, and in two years he will have made, in the last year, this last year and this year, he will have made $33 million. He can afford to be patient, and he clearly will be. I'd be surprised if he signs an extension here, but again, that's just a guess based on how it's gone for now for three offseasons. I also heard that he was crushed by the news about Morgan. Those two are very tight. They played together for a while. They dressed next. Their lockers were by each other. I don't think that will factor into his decision simply because his actions have already suggested one outcome. But I do know they were close, and I do know that it hurt him. We'll, we'll see where it goes from there. But, again, I, I 
I, it's just hard to imagine Sheriff st- sticking around, but stranger things have happened, and I don't feel as close to that negotiation as I ha- do to some others. Anyway, that's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Penn State Defensive Coordinator Brent Pry to discuss Shaka Tony. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about a fun new offer from Monkey Knife Fight that can enhance any sports experience, whether you're at a game, on your couch, or in a bar. It's a daily fantasy sports league that is easy to play. You can sign up on monkeyknifefight.com using promo code JKR and play games such as more or less. Will an NBA player score more or less than a listed point total? You can do the same in baseball. Will a pitcher have more or less strikeouts than a given amount, etc.? It's fun, and every Friday it's Home Run Derby, bet on three guys who had home runs that night. All three hit one, you share in the prize pool. Every week you can participate in their Eagle Eye jackpot based on the PGA Tour. Choose from any sport, from NASCAR to UFC and League of Legends. And of course, once football rolls back around, there will be even more fun prop bets. This is daily sports betting designed for the average fan to use their knowledge and have some fun. Sign up now at monkeyknifefight.com and use promo code JKR. That's promo code JKR. This show can be found on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and, of course, of the DMV region. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire shows as well as the other great content. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Brent Pry. I just want to give Washington fans a sense of who they are getting because I do know that this team is excited about having drafted him in the seventh round. So, in general, what are they getting in Shaka? Yeah, obviously, he's a, he's a true threat off the edge. The guy, is uh, his rush ability is very, very high. We've had some good defensive ends around here over the last – six, seven, eight years, and he's one of the best um, as far as rushability. Just, you know, has a, a real savviness, has good speed, can bend, has length, like a lot of qualities that you want in that edge guy. Um, so they're getting a dynamic pass rusher. Is, is that what separates him from some of the other guys you've had, just those, that combination you talked about, or is there something else along with him? For that. Well, I think it's, it's a couple of things. Shaka uh, was one of our smartest football players. Mm-hmm. Very, very intelligent football player. Um, another thing that people don't understand or forget is we offered Shaka as a linebacker. 197 pounds, 195 pound linebacker, 6'3", you know, with some chains, long, could run. Um and, and, and he was committed to us as a linebacker. And right about signing day, uh, he let us know that he, he would prefer to play defensive end. And, of course, we obliged. Um, you know, and after a couple of years, he got his weight up where it needed to be. And, you know, so he's, he's smart enough. We love putting him, standing him up and doing some things with him because uh, he's just a really good athlete. I still would say today that Shaka could have been a heck of a linebacker for us. What kind of like, where would you envision him as a linebacker? And what I ask you that because a lot of people thought maybe as a three, four linebacker, these guys run a four, three. And I do think 
I think, not positive, but that they would like to use him as an off-the-ball guy plus as a situational rusher. So what kind of linebacker would you envision in like a 40? Yeah, that, that's kind of what we've done, what we did with what we did with Micah Parsons. I, I don't think that there's, you know, I think Shaka can do some of that. I think he's, you know, he's got a, a really good skill set. He's fast. Um, you know, he's smart. So, you know, for us, he would have played – Will or potentially Mike linebacker in our four or three, you know, kind of same spots there, kind of especially with as smart as he is, he could have he could have called the defense and set the defense and done all that. It's really, really high football IQ. Where does that usually? I've been around long enough, and you have too. Usually, that comes from a lot of preparation. So, what makes him such a smart player? Number one, he's a smart individual. Uh, he's got a great family. Uh, very involved, um, always had a lot of maturity uh, from day one, uh, just understand and uh, has a, a unique perspective on things. Um, you know, he's he's been, I, Coach Franklin would say the same thing. We've talked a lot about just how intelligent he, he is. And, um, you know, I think that there's, there's, there's no doubt, you know, tremendous – production from the defensive end spot but you know if he told me he wanted to do it again and play linebacker we'd oblige you know that that's that's how what I would say where did you see that intelligence showing up on the field what kind of plays would he make because of that yeah he he was crafty he so he understood you know offensive systems he understood quarterback reads and probably you know really important to me, he understood what most of the rest of the defensive players were being asked to do on a particular call. Um, you know, so we were able to bounce him up and, and we would stem from four down to three down and pop him up and, and let him prowl around and ha take some liberties. Uh, I think he got a nice sack uh, in a situation like that against, um, oh, Jesus, slipping my mind. But we had stemmed and popped him up, and he kind of came down in there. We would spy him on quarterbacks. Um, you know, him and Parsons were the guys that we felt like, you know, from the front seven group could, could track those quarterbacks like Justin Fields and, and get them on the ground. You know, be fast enough to get them and then be able to be the athlete to get them on the ground. So, you know, he's, he's got a lot of that. he got a lot of – I mean, he can play stood up, you know, as well as with some training. He, he could be as good at that as he is, you know, out of a three-point. You know, it's funny because you bring up Justin Fields, and I remember seeing some plays when you guys played them, I think, this past year, where the only reason why he didn't get a sack is because Justin was able to slide away and make a big play. And there was one throw down the left side that Shaka beats the right tackle, but Justin takes, I think, two steps to his left, and the play is like it's a really nice throw, but it, it stemmed from because, like, Shaka pushes him out. I mean, he pushed him yeah. out. So, yeah, I don't know if you remember that play, but, you know, it just, to me, what jumped out was how that's a sack against almost any other quarterback. Yep. That's exactly right. And, and, and uh, so he's just, a, and I'll say this, he, he's, he's one of the most, you know, he's he just been a great teammate to so many guys here. Um, you know, if, if you put a popularity deal and I don't mean from just being well liked, he's just very unselfish and very, giving to his teammates no he's just he's just you know very endeared uh, by a lot of folks here in this football program 
another play that I saw make to me as an example of the athleticism and probably the smarts too, was that you guys play Georgia state. And I think there was a little option play where he's charged at the quarterback pitches it and he turns and makes the play and gets like a three or four yard loss. I mean that, you know, yep. I mean, was that, is that kind of typical of, well, that, again, yeah, that's an example of him just, you know, he can operate from a two point, you know, he's got a lot of linebacker traits in him and he's smart enough to know, you know, let me feather this guy and get the ball pitched and, and stay square shoulder where I can redirect and go get it. You know, you watch him in the cotton bowl. We popped him up in the cotton bowl and he drops back into that low hole and gets his hand on a ball about makes an unbelievable play for us. Um, you know, so there's just so much he could do. He's a very versatile football player. Do you think talking about a guy with a high, high rush ability, but also can drop and cover tight ends and and do some things like that. So, you know, it's, I think he's a unique get for them. Do you think that it was just the COVID that caused him to fall to the seventh round? I mean, what else would you, did you hear from teams about what the explanation could be that he, that he lasted that far? I, I didn't. I mean, the teams I talked to were super excited about him. Um, you know, I know that uh, Coach Franklin had some of the same feedback. So I don't know. Maybe it's the size. You know, he's not as big as maybe some of the other guys that were out there. Um, but he plays with his length. Like, he's got long arms, and, and, and he can – you know, these last two years, he's been an every-down guy for us. You know, even though he wasn't the biggest of defensive ends in this league or the biggest that we've had, He's been a two-down guy these last two years and, to me, had no liabilities in the run game, not for us. And you mentioned, you know, how well-liked he is and respected and all that. What are some other examples of him just off the field that kind of lends itself towards success on the field? Yeah, I think it's just his, you know, he had a, a open-door welcome mat for guys on his football team at his home, at his place. His family is very well thought of and just friendly and supportive of not just Shaka, but everybody in the program. Um, you know, just all the way back from the recruiting process, to be honest, uh, just, you know, really enjoyed the recruitment and his family. And I think that that endearment, that that quality, you know, from his family and the love and the, he he had that for everybody. You know, and, and, and I think guys identify with that and guys that were having tough times, you know, shock is a guy they'd go to guys that were um, trying to get better or take the next step shock is a guy they'd go to. So, you know, just a real asset that way, you know, I think that, you know, that's the other piece of it that they're going to enjoy about him. Um, I did want to spend about a couple minutes talking about one of your other players who plays for a team that Washington fans do not like. Micah Parsons in Dallas, quite a talent. What's your take on Micah and and what you think the impact he can make in Dallas? Yeah, you know, Micah, two years of college football um, and only two years of linebacker play. So his ceiling and how much better. I really, you know, was looking forward to the growth and development in year three with him. Um, So I I think Dallas has has gotten themselves a gem right there. you know, he, you talk about a guy that, you know, plays as fast as he runs, um, has rush ability. Micah could have been an All-American defensive end. Uh, I believe that. And, um, you know, we had some big plans for him in year three. 
Uh, he's also a guy that, you know, that learns pretty well and, uh, you know, just kept growing into the position. And you know, I, I think he's an impact player, absolutely, you know, on every down. What, what do you think that, you know, you talk about impact player, what are some of the, what are one or two of the things that you say, this is what stands out most about him on the field when, when as yeah. a coach, his, what are things his, most yeah, his, his acceleration and speed, you know, it's going to be special uh, for the linebacker position. This guy can really giddy up, you know, and it's, you watch his, his redirect and his takeoff. I mean, he can accelerate like, shoot, I don't know if I've had somebody. I mean, I'm, you're talking about corner acceleration. This guy can go. Uh, one of my favorite stories is before his uh, freshman year here, he came to five camps that summer. Like he just, he, he loves to compete. This is the most competitive guy I've ever coached. It, he could be thrown up over the trash can in morning workouts. And you call his name to come compete against Jason Oway or Shaka Tony or somebody. And he is going to, I mean, give it and give it with the best of them now. This dude is a competitor. Doesn't matter if it's bowling or ping pong or whatever. So you're going, the, the skins are going to see a competitive guy running around in that number 11 now. And I, so I'm assuming, because obviously before the draft, there was a lot of talk about red flags, character. Clearly Dallas wasn't worried about that because they traded, they got him pretty high. What was your take on all Oh, that? listen, <laughs> they made a, I've known Micah since ninth grade. There's no character flaws there. This dude is kind hearted and likable. Um, you know, he's, uh, I don't know that he'd squash a bug. You know, he just, he's just one of those guys. He's got a big heart. And, uh, you know, I was so happy that Dallas was able to kind of, you know, just see things as they were. Uh, this guy was absolutely not a, you know, it wasn't anything that, uh, that would have kept me from drafting him. You know, that's for sure. Brent, I appreciate your time. Really good insight and, and look forward to watching all these guys play. So thank you very much for joining. Absolutely. Good luck with the story, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. I'm Byron Kerr, your host for the Curly W Podcast. Join me on the Curly W for the very latest on the Washington Nationals. We'll give you an inside look as to what's happening with the Nats right now and give you also a chance to visit with Nats players and coaches, present and past, to tell you what it's like and what they hope to accomplish with the Nationals. From Fredericksburg to Nats Park, West Palm Beach to Rochester, Wilmington to Harrisburg, it's all Nats baseball. Subscribe to Curly W wherever you get your podcasts. Another great show from Empire Media. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Brent for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode Sunday night. Talk to you next time.